Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. Uh, This week we have a special episode. Uh, We're going up to Canada to a seminar where Coach Stevens is working with some people and doing some uh, questions and answers. Uh, And if you're interested, on Facebook only, for our Facebook listeners, uh, there's a a second sort of lost episode that Fortress and I recorded. It's sort of a, a time warp sort of thing where... This will be our official uh, weekly programming in just a few weeks, uh, and it's on the Facebook page if you need something to listen to right now um, while I edit the show that you're about to hear. Uh, so anyway, enjoy this Canadian seminar, uh, and it should be up probably sometime Sunday evening. Okay, everybody, here we are again. This is Phil Stevens, and it's another episode of Iron Radio. Um, I'm a strength coach. Powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, I run liftforhope.org, and Strength Guild. Um, and today we've got an interesting show. We are actually uh, recording live here at a seminar I'm giving in the wonderful town of Edmonton, Canada. Um, I'm up here with a bunch of Canucks, eh? And uh, <laughs> drinking beers, eh? Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the, the Mark Oxer um, from down at Olds University, correct? College. College, college, sorry. And, uh, Frickin' uh, Jason Bigman that, you know, threw a seminar up there, brought me up. And what we're going to do today is something a little different. We're going to do kind of a roundtable where the participants of the seminar, we're, we're in day one of it, um, they're going to ask their questions, and uh, we're going to do our best to answer them. So I'm just going to kind of do a uh, run this thing clockwise and see what we got. So do we have anything? No. Raise your hand. There we go. Uh, Oh, this is a fun one. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, but it's always good rehashing. Um, I won't totally talk for Lonnie because I'll let him fill in. But um, I'm big into food-based supplements. So meaning, you know, things like fish oils I think are great. People don't get enough of that in their diet now. Um, Even our, you know, I'm, I'm privileged to live in the Midwest where we have lots of cattle and stuff. So I go to a small rancher and, and buy it, but it's still usually like grain finished. Um, and in my opinion, you're, I'll spend $4 less a pound getting a grain finished cow than I will one that's grass finished all the way. And the difference is just a little bit of fat profiles. And the, the meat, the protein content's the same. So I'll fill in the gap with some fish oils. Um, I don't think enough people are getting fish oils. Other than that, um, I push my clients to get a multivitamin just to cover your bases. And then uh, creatine. Those would be my three staples for anybody. Um, and creatine, the reason is not for the uh, the physical benefits of it, meaning the fitness benefits of training. You know, some people, they'll talk about getting an extra rep or two um, out of taking creatine. It's for the newer stuff they're finding. They're using it to fight Alzheimer's patients. They're using it in mental wasting, um, even, even bone composition and stuff like that. It's those benefits. I'm a non-responder to creatine, but now it's it's so cheap. 
You know, you can spend, I don't know about up here, but I'm sure it's close to the same, 10 to 15 bucks and get 300 servings. Um, it's not, it's, it's so cheap it's not worth not taking, you know. So, and that's just like a teaspoon a day type of thing. Um, other than that, um, some of your pre-workout stimulants I, I think are okay. You know, they're good to mess with. Yeah, I mean, some of them are good. I mean, but use them for what they are. I won't use them every day. Um, you know, your hard training sessions, things like that. Things like NO boosters and testosterone boosters and stuff like that. From working in the industry, I can tell you that usually if you see something with 17 ingredients, it's, it's usually just snake oil. Um, there's no science behind much any of them. Even your other creatines, the non-creatine monohydrates, like you see the CEE2s and blah, blah, blah. It's, it, they found a way, creatine made itself, it, it lasted long enough that it got cheap. So the supplement companies wanted a way to, well, we need to make money on this, so they, we're going to make it, you know, make a delivery system for it. And the problem is, is that it was already pretty damn bioavailable anyways. You know, it, its uptake was not its problem. So it was a way for them to jack up the prices. Um, glutamine? I, I think it's okay. Um, I think it's over-touted. If you have digestion issues, I think it's good. Um, as far as physical benefits you're going to get from the extra healing, stuff like that, it's the most abundant amino acid out there. As long as you're eating plenty of protein, you're getting a lot of it. I mean, all the tests that have showed great results from it are like severe burn victims and things like that. Now, if you go in and do a training session to where you're so beat up, you're, you know, third degree burns all over your whole body, yeah, it might, but I don't know anybody that's going to train that far. Maybe if you give yourself a severe case of rhabdo or something, getting in a bunch of glutamine might help. But I've used it a lot for for people like me who, you know, I'm not naturally 275 pounds. I have to force myself up here. I'll have points of time where it's like I, my, my digestion goes way down, and it's the number one fuel for your intestines. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's benefit there. Um, other than that, I think a lot of people, it, 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 it's a little bit of a waste. Um, as long as you're getting enough real foods. and it's, So, yeah, I'm not big on supplements. I think if you're a very diet, plenty of protein, good carbohydrates, and healthy fats is where a lot of people lack. Um, coconut oil, I love coconut oil. I think it's great for you. Yeah, those are some good questions. And there's common questions. I just wanted to add a few things quickly. I agree very much with Phil, um, and again, I'm just offering this as sort of a value-added uh, part of the seminar and the information, but um, there's food category supplements and I think specialty-type supplements. Foods, like Phil was saying, fish oils, protein, those sorts of things. Um, specialty supplements I'm less of a fan of, and I'm going to side with Phil again, probably a pre-workout uh, stimulant of some kind. Honestly, good old caffeine. Uh, works great. Um, the research will say take five or six milligrams per kilogram of your body weight. So, you know, usually that's one or two Vivarin pills. That's really a lot. I'd, I'd start lower than that. Um, with creatine, unless you really want to gain a lot of temporary water weight, um, it's a tablespoon. It's about five grams after workouts over the course of a month. And as Phil pointed out, there's more and more health benefits being shown in the research with that. Uh, even if you don't have, uh, you know, a dramatic response. And, you know, some people don't. As far as glutamine, um, yeah, overtraining is really the time to use that. A lot of people misuse it thinking it's an anabolic agent. Uh, single amino acids can have drug-like effects. Leucine, for example, triggers protein synthesis in muscle. Glutamine, um, 
levels fall in muscle and blood in people who are overtrained. So uh, the real debate over over its efficacy, though, comes from if you do supplement it, what does it really do? Like you might put back some of what's low in your blood or your muscles, but what's the outcome? Um, so I would reserve that for times of very hard training when you feel strung out or maybe you're in a calorie deficit. And then lastly, Phil mentioned coconut oil. The real benefit there is medium chain triglycerides, right? They're, um, it's a natural source of MCTs, which you would pay a lot for if you bought a specialty MCT product. So again, just some thoughts uh, to add to what Phil was saying there. Does that answer your question? Interesting. Um, that's individual to the person and their goal, in my opinion. Now, if we're talking, I can get generic and say for the average person that's just looking to be fairly fit um, and live a long life, I lean more towards paleoish. But I add milk on and some grains, like oatmeal. No one's ever going to convince me that oatmeal is going to kill me. Um, it's not an evil, in my opinion. So it's more of, a, I guess, I'd, to use a term that's out there, it'd be paleo with, with milk and some grains and even some rice. Um, but, I mean, the, the Asians have lived hundreds and hundreds of years on plenty of rice. Um, it's the whole food diet is what I'd say. Um, as far as that, after that, it's very much, I think the, the main thing I've seen since I'm at a CrossFit here, I'll talk about CrossFit athletes, where a lot of them lack and they're blinded by is the paleo thing. Um, I'm pretty sure the highest ranked competitors aren't just eating broccoli and nuts. You know, they're, <laughs> they're running around so much that these, I'm sorry, these carbohydrates aren't going to kill you and they're needed. Um, and it's like there was a big to do about uh, the swimmer, Michael Phelps, when they posted his diet. Um, you know, he was eating boxes of cereal a day and this and that. Well, hell yes he was. He's in the pool for eight freaking hours. He's burned every bit of it off. So yeah, the diet definitely changes for the athlete. Um, as far as, you know, like I said, as far as just general health goes, I mean, that's someday I'll go back to more, more strictest paleo-ish type. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not a person that everybody, all the diets out there, they like making something evil. This diet makes fat evil. This diet makes carbohydrates evil. This diet makes, you know, the white potato evil. Um, I don't believe in that. It's, you know, I think a varied diet, as varied as you can get with plenty of fruits and vegetables and lots of whole proteins and things like that. After that, and that should be the base to anybody's diet. Even mine, I mean, it's mainly fruits and vegetables out of my garden. You know, pig and beef from the cow and pigs we buy. Um, stuff like that. And then after that, it's adding on fuel content. You know, after that, it's okay, I need a large pizza to stay 275 pounds. Um, that's me. You know, you, it'd be different. It'd be dependent on your goals um, and your training style. If we're high on the endurance end, we're going to punch in a bunch more sugars and stuff, um, which CrossFit is pretty high on in the nerds end. Um, and for me, that's around training, um, preferably before training, whereas I'm not a big post-training guy. Um, I don't believe in the big post-training window too much because usually if we were doing a CrossFit event where, like the games, where they're doing multiple events in one day, I'd worry about post-training. But usually we're going to do a training session and then we're going to have at least 24 hours before the next one. So there's plenty of time to get that in. I don't need to cram 600 grams of carbohydrates in. 
because I've got 24 hours to get that back in. Whereas if I've got somebody that's like, say, losing, looking to lose body fat, change their body comp, we might be low carb, but we're going to add carbohydrates in before training, and they're going to burn that during their training. Uh, their training is going to they're going to have a more intense training session, and so they'll burn even more after as well. So it's kind of a generic answer, but it depends on the person. So, I mean, if we were to sit down and you give me a case study, say, here's what the person's doing, here's what they weigh, here's the goal. We could diet, we could pinpoint it more, but uh, whole foods, you know. And just a few Iron Radio comments. Um, as far as withholding carbohydrates, really the only time I can see to do that extremely would be before a walk or some sort of mild intensity cardio. Um Phil's a big fan of the pre-workout, and I agree with that t for a large part. If you're exercising intensely, you're going to burn through the carbs anyway. Um, he did make a point about individual assessments and prescriptions, and I think that's really important. You need to talk to somebody who's a licensed nutritionist who understands this sort of thing to make an assessment and set up a meal plan for you because a lot of the gurus who just set up their own rules, they miss important things, and they can actually do damage uh, it's the same thing with exercise programming. You've got to talk to someone with the education and the experience to do it right. Stuff like that. Caloric? Uh, work? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, I like uh -huh. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I did a lot of it. At one point, and now I don't do much. I'll throw some here and there, but me picking up 700 plus pounds all the time is pretty hard on my core. Um, but I mean, I think early on it's pretty important. Um, it's more rep work, but what I do, I'm really into frequency on core work. Um, so I wouldn't go in any one day and say, this is ab day, and kill it. Because no matter what, just like you said, whatever the next day is, I don't care what it is, it's going to negatively affect that. There's nothing we do that the trunk is not used in. Um, so it'd be you know, two or three sets here. Call it good. We don't ever want to work it to where it's a point of just being wrecked in soreness because my next training session is going to suffer. So I just add in a few things here and there. I'm big on, not big on crunches. I'm not big on sit-ups. Um, it's more, I like ab work done in extension, uh, meaning with a stretched out abdominals. Planks, uh, the, I think the glute ham raise setups are good if you have one. Um, the problem with setups is, you know, the job of the core, if you will, abdominal wall, because when we're talking core, you're talking back too, um, is not movement. It's not flexion. You know, the job of the core is to prevent unwanted motion. So if we're working in a, you know, I'm, its job is to hold ground when I have weight on me. It's not to, you know, one rep max squat or a crunch. Um, so it's a lot of things like that. Um, and even your good mornings and stuff like that, if you're doing, you're going to get a lot of, a lot of direct work on there. So, I mean, it's, it, it's things like that. Um, we can even do some neat stuff later on. I have some fun ones that we do with partners. So you guys could probably add them into your little workouts and it'd be horribly hard and hilarious at the same time. Um, we'll turn you guys into human wheelbarrows and stuff like that. So that's where I stand. I'd, I'd go frequency. So every training session, and I'm the same way. It's one thing that me and Windler found out we agreed on. Same thing with back work, upper back work. I add on a little bit every session, that type of thing. So you might do a set or two in between your squats and things, but or on the end. Uh, 
goes back to something you said earlier about deadlift and not losing that strength over time. I'm yeah. guessing what amount of time period does one expect to not lose strength or not lose muscle mass when clean take not clean? Okay, that it's gonna be dependent on a few things. Um a lot of it will depend on how much weight does this person lose. Now, if you go off training and you decide, you know, if I went off training now and I said, I'm going to drop back down to 181, I'm going to lose a lot of muscle. If I decide to just maintain my weight, um, there's a good chance I'm going to maintain a lot of my strength. And also, just how generally active in life they are. If I go from training hard four to five times a week and being active to sitting on the couch, then I'm going to lose some strength. You know, there's going to be some atrophy and stuff like that. Um, I, it, it's it's hard to put a concrete number on it, but I mean I've seen a lot of old guys who, who stay active, and you know they can still put up some damn respectable numbers. Within, uh, I'd say there's no reason if you stay active that you probably couldn't keep 80% of your strength after say even three four years, um, unless you're like on the elite level. I wouldn't expect like um, Kirk Kowalski to be able to come in and you know he hit a thousand pounds for a double. That's way the hell up there. So he's out of the bounds of his normal, you know, that's well beyond the normal physical capacities. I wouldn't expect him to just be able to come in any day and squat 800 for a double. Um, but the we're talking impressive strength range. Yeah, you know, some guy that's squatting six, seven hundred pounds, I think they could come in and still squat, you know, high fives within five years, if they, if they just stayed active, you know, go out and play basketball, play with your kids, climb, you know, hiking and stuff like that. Um, it sticks around a long time. I mean, I've been forced into breaks due to injuries and stuff. Um, like my last one was I tore this bicep, you know, I've torn them both. And uh, so there was, you know, what, 12 weeks of not being able to train real hard. And within three weeks out of the cast, I'm deadlifting 700 again. So it's just, the most of that is getting neurally back to it. Like the muscle's still there. It's getting the neural pathways lit back up and making the way, oh, it's not so heavy. You know, and that's a big thing. Like I'll, we'll go on squat cycles where we don't touch over 70% for a while. And the biggest thing is getting, you know, you unrack 90%. It's like, fuck, this is heavy. You know, just because you haven't had that much weight on you in a while. Um, but I think, I think you can keep the majority of it and, you know, five years, no problem to stay active. Yeah. A little bit of like cardio fat loss type stuff. Yeah. Uh, I guess for me, the issue is more psychological. I know Rico talks about like being on the weight uh, and put on strength and getting rid of the fat later. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I'm just struggling a little bit with the, the weight thing. Okay, that's in your head. Um, is what it is. Um, and I deal with this all the time. And like I said, my gym's 75% women. And the population I worked with for seven years was, was figure models. And I hate the scale. I think number one, throw the freaking scale out the window. You don't need it. Unless you're, I think the only person that needs a scale is a weight class athlete, which CrossFitters aren't. So why do you need it? It doesn't matter. You know, um, what matters is your performance and, you know, the way your clothes fit, honestly. Um, now, if your goal is maximum strength, None of it matters. It just, part, I guess part of it is a psychological issue. Looking in the mirror and going, yeah. I know that I don't look like I used to. Of course, and everybody in this industry, I would argue that we all have mental issues and we all damn near have eating disorders. It's just different levels of it. You know, I look in the mirror and I see myself much worse than people see me. 
like, damn, you're looking lean today, Phil. I was like, well, I'm 270 freaking five pounds. I can walk upstairs. It's tough. Um, uh, yeah, it's just turning on the blinders. I battled a lot going from 165 back up, you know, and living in a world where everything had to do with what you look like. It was tough for me to make transition to strength sports. Um, it's just what I do is in a case like yours, what are you weighing now? Checked on Thursday, it's like 196. Okay. For a male that's you know close to 200 pounds, what we'd do if he wants to get stronger, I would have you gain. It's like, okay, we're going to put on 15 pounds. And I don't want that 15 pounds put on over 15 weeks. I want to put on that 15 pounds now. And then we're going to hold that. We're going to hold it for three months. And we're just going to train through it. You don't need to go any higher than that. I don't believe in – Mark, I think, takes it a little overboard. It's like gallon of milk a day, and he's got guys gaining 75, 80 pounds, and they're, you know, they, they look more like Stay Puft Man than they do athlete. Um, there's, there's a, uh, there's a limit to how much you can gain quickly, and we don't need to spill over to be stronger. You know, there's no reason to get way fat to get strong. So I'll take people, and usually with women that are, you know, in the 115 up to 140 pound range, we'll gain 10 pounds or five pounds. And we're going to hold that. Um, and what you'll find is, so we gain that initial 15 pounds. And, yeah, you don't look the same as you did. You hold on to that for three months. Your strength keeps going up. And after three, four months, then we reassess. And you'll find that, you know, you look different than you did. That 15 pounds looks a lot different than it did three months ago. Um, because you have, we have to have extra fuel to add muscle, especially at an appreciable rate. Um, the whole one pound a week thing just doesn't work. I've seen hundreds of people try it. I'm going to gain one pound a week for 15 weeks, and 15 weeks comes up, and they've gained a pound and a half. And it's like, what happened, buddy? Well, you know, it didn't work. Um, you've got to pound it away and put it down. And the other thing to realize is everybody's seen, everybody knows who Mark Bell is. So for the last 20 years, Mark has been training his ass off to be as big and freaking strong as he can. Have you seen his pictures of him recently? He's ripped. It took him 20 years to get big and strong. It took him months to get lean. You know, it's realizing that. It's turning out, it's, start looking at the big picture. What do you want to be? And do you want to be big and strong? So that means, what, okay, what, what, what would be ideal? Probably like 210 or so. 210 and you weigh 180 now? 190. You need to be 220-230. The easiest way to get on top of this hill is not slowly climb up it. It's jump on a fucking helicopter and parachute down to the top. You know? It's, if you gain, you know, that's like me to be, I can cut down now. I cut down recently like last year, and I'm pretty damn ripped at 230. Because I walk around at 275 strong. You know, if you want to be 210 and pretty damn ripped and strong and be able to move around, you need to get up 230, 235. And then stay there for a year. It's one year out of your life. It's nothing. Come back down, and you'll probably be what you want to be. You know, that's one of the areas bodybuilders and figure people have had it right for years. They have an off season. They get really big. And then they take a couple months to cut down. You know, and they put on a lot of mass quick. The whole slow up thing, I've just never seen it work. I mean, I finally talked Lonnie and I do it before, before his last bodybuilding show, and he, like, placed best he ever has. And he put on 25 pounds and just kept it on. And then you take a few months to take it off. It takes a long time to put muscle on. It doesn't take that long to get skinny. <laughs> well, I can tell you I've always bulked up, but I really do encourage Phil's um – support to just crash through barriers more aggressively than I have in the past. Um, I've never been one of those guys that try to piecemeal, you know, pound a year kind of nonsense, but um, it is really hard for a lot of bodybuilders to, you know, blow up to 20% body fat if that's what it takes. 
Um, and, you know, I couldn't agree more. It takes a long time to build muscle mass. And guys who are always trying to stay lean, they never get there. Skinny is easy. It's just deprivation. Muscle's hard work. What about, yeah. like, adding, like, sled poles? I like it. I like walking. Um, for anybody that's 200 pounds plus, go walk. Um, or I'll walk with a sled. That's one thing that I'll go to. Because, especially if you're training hard with weights, we're beating ourselves up a lot. Um, now, if you're lighter, like some of the ladies in here, we might pull a sled or put on a vest. Get up to a non-panting cardio rate, and it's that's stuff that you can do all the time. I try and get people to walk as much as they can. Um, it'll limit the, the fat you gain, but it won't hurt what we do in here. You're not going to have to. If you have to recover from walking, you're in a bad position, and we need to know that. I've had training clients that they're, you know, their first training day would be walk to that door and back to me. Um, you're not there. So you can go walk, and I, I'll never tell anybody not to, you know, tell their friends, sorry, guys, I can't play basketball with you. My coach says I can't. Come on. you got to be able to live. It's, it's okay to be active and stuff like that. Um, huh? Good question. Um, I don't like everything in life we do as far as training is pretty stressful. So the walking I have them do is like just go have go enjoy it. I don't want you thinking, checking your heart rate monitor, and we've got enough fucking stress in our lives. I mean, and between work and family and training, just go enjoy a walk. If it's 10 minutes per day, fine. That's 10 minutes more than you did before. If you want to go walk for an hour and a half, fine. Um, now, I do have clients where, like what I'll do, I had a girl that came in, and we took off. We added like 75 pounds of squat, and we dropped 50 pounds in four weeks. And her prescription was she did our training, and then an hour a week, she had to drag a sled, just walk with a sled. And I don't care. There were some weeks where she came in and did the hour in one shot. She got her training done for that week. There were other days, she I only have time to do five minutes, ten minutes, this and that. So um, I'm a big fan. If, if body composition and gaining is, is what you want to do, if you can add in morning walks before you eat, it's a good one. I mean, because it's, it's not going to hurt your training and – your insulin levels are low, your blood sugar's low, you're going to tap into fat stores primarily as a fuel source. We don't, it has to be non-panting though. Like I don't want you out there walking that fast. We want to keep it low and slow to where you're using you know, fat, fat oxidizing stuff. Um, yeah. Do you know how it's going to cardio or stuff? No. In the off season, right now, we do some. A little bit, yeah. You feel that covering that will lower your Yes. Um, yes. I guarantee if I put you 15 minutes of real high-intensity cardio and then we go squat, yeah. If, if, if it doesn't affect it, I'd question, I'd say you're not doing high-intensity cardio. So, because um, so, you know, your sprints would be to the point where, fuck, you know, you're ready to puke when you're done with 15 minutes. That's high-intensity. Um, no, and you know that's that's a question where we start getting into what's your goal. If your goal is powerlifting, then 100%, and you want to do it at a high level, 100% of your training should be based at doing one lift very well. It doesn't matter how many you can do for 10. You know, you've got to be able to do one lift very well, and that's where some of the short sprints, no more than 40 yards, can come into play. Learn to turn stuff on now. Other than that, I mean, we're doing, we, we do a lot of work under the ball. 
I mean, our average training session is two and a half hours where we're in their squad. I mean, you've never – I question anybody that says you can't get a good workout with one move. I need to do 15 moves for each body part. Bullshit. You come into my gym and we'll squat for two and a half hours straight and tell me what we didn't hit because everything's going to be sore. So, no, I don't. In the off-season, yes, right now we will. I have a lot of people – I have two – Two types of clients right now, of course. Most people aren't ever looking to maintain. I have girls that are dropping weight classes. I have girls that are going up weight classes. So it depends on that. Um, you know, if they're looking to go down a weight class, we're doing more of the slow sled pulls. And we're adding in uh, some strongman type training where it's short and fast. Short, fast, and heavy. It might only be in between 30 seconds and 45 seconds. Or 30 seconds and a minute straight of hard, hard work. And then we rest and then, then go again. It's stuff that translates well to our sport. Any cardio type stuff is slow and low. Because um, all we're, we're looking to burn fat. That's all we're looking to do. Um, I want to save as much energy as we can for the training. So. Yeah, any of that. Bike, hike, you know, any of that type stuff. Yep. Where, yeah, if you can't talk to the person that's with you, you're going too fast. No, I can be riding a bike. I mean, I like riding a bike. Uh, it's... It's good on your joints. You know, hiking um, is great. Any of that. I mean, I personally love playing racquetball. Um, you can. Um, and that's where you have, but I mean, that's one of those things. It's, I always, if it's something you freaking enjoy, I'm not going to tell you not to do it. You know, it's just not. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'll say, hey, it might affect your training. Like I have one of my girls on my team is a yoga instructor. That's doing nothing to make her a good powerlifter. I mean, she can, can stick both legs above her head, and she's not wound up when we get to powerlifting. But it's something she loves. So I just have to work around it and tell her, you know, it's not doing you any favors, but we're going to get you. We're going to falsely teach her to get how tight she can. But I'm not going to tell her to change her life to be on my team. Um, she's actually pretty damn good. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, it's it's remember what your goal is. Keep the goal. The goal is what Dan John likes to say. You know. If you want to be great at powerlifting, then being really good at going doing things for even up to two minutes straight has nothing to do with your core. You need to be very efficient at moving heavy things once. You know, there was a neat video of uh, what, that was the 1980 Olympics where Terry Anko cleaned and jerked the world record. And, you know, he threw 586 pounds above his head. He was on the wide world of sports. And they show me, oh, comes out of it, and, oh, boom, hits it, and then the camera goes on to him and shows him, he's, oh, and ten minutes later, he's still, oh, oh, and they're like, wow, this guy isn't very fit. I was like, he's not fucking fit. He just threw 586 pounds over his head. You know, he's very fit. Fitness has a context. Being a fit powerlifter is not a fit marathon runner. You know, we've got to keep things in context. I was just wondering, I've never really good at it. I yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, I've had to do that before. I wouldn't train on an empty stomach. Um, in a case like yours, something easily digestible. I wouldn't worry so much. People are so damn worried about protein. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, you've got 24 hours of the rest of the day to get that in. Um, now, if you can handle a whey shake, like for me, it, it personally makes me kind of, you know, um, get in something easily digestible, something that's going to fire your training. And I wouldn't worry if it's 
freaking pure table sugar. I don't care. If you're training hard and you eat 200 calories of table sugar, you're going to burn every bit of that plus up in your training. Find something that sits well with you and something that trains your, you know, get your training going. Um, usually for me, you know, that's something easily digestible. I mean, it might even be some freaking Nilla wafers. You know, everybody's, anybody that's listened to the show has heard me munching on cookies while I'm doing it. Um, it's, I, I don't do it just because I'm a gluttonous bastard. It helps my training, you know. I'll come out, and I'm like, my partner's, training partner's looking at me. I just drank a monster and two boxes of another wafers. I'm like, shaking because I'm so jacked up. I'm like, fuck, get him under the bar before he eats somebody. So, yeah, it'd be something like that. You know, get a few hundred calories, and you don't, I can't eat close to my training because I'll, I'll just feel slow. It's not that I'll get sick. But if I got a full stomach, I'm, you know, it just doesn't, it's not a time to move around in. Yeah, branch chain amino, yeah, that'd work if you can, because that's going to keep your blood levels of that up. You're not going to, there's no real calorie content to that, is the thing. You need some fuel, and most of what we do in here, even what you guys do, is it's tapping into, you know, it's tapping into glycogen, not fat. So if you can have your blood sugar levels, you know, rolling pretty high, you're going to burn all that up. I mean, you're just going to, if you're not burning through a few hundred calories in your training session, you're not working very hard. I mean, I wouldn't be worried about that. Um, and, you know, sip on some Gatorade or something during training. That's the other thing, supplement-wise, that I think you could look into. A lot of people, and I've seen a lot of it in CrossFit stuff, um, they go so high to the so-called healthy diet that they don't get enough salt anymore. Hey, watch it. No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of people are lacking they forget that, that sodium is an electrolyte and I've seen a lot of people cramping up that can help sodium, potassium and now vitamin D is real big um, you guys probably need it more than we do because so I mean I uh, yeah, put in some vitamin D couldn't but I, I fill that void with a good multivitamin just descending in here with a little bit more Iron Radio commentary boy there's a lot of nutrition related questions it's a good thing Phil's pretty well versed with this stuff um uh, you know, sports drinks, uh, you do take up about 10 or 15% of all of the sugar that's being burned in your muscles during a workout fr right, right from your blood. So, uh, of course, the rest of it is from the local already stored glycogen that you built up while you were having your oatmeal for breakfast or whatever carbohydrates you had earlier in the day. So that's, that's important stuff. As far as vitamin D, Vitamin D does so many awesome things. It's way beyond what I can talk about here, but one of them is blood sugar uh, control, um, insulin sensitivity, glucose tolerance, that sort of thing. Um, so most nutritionists are going to be really up on that sort of uh, in approach as well. Let's go back over here. Yeah. I always, going back to the diet thing, kind of what Mark was discussing on there, I always get that question like, I want to do cross, and I want to do really good cross, but I want to get bigger. Okay. So, should I tell them to either be, stay off the CrossFit, more powerlifting, more lifting, less high intensity workouts, mm -hmm. or be just after the calories for the There's a point where you just can't out eat your training for most people. Like me, I, you know, I walked in. When I missed my 800, I was packing away stuff that made my wife mad. I mean, it'd be daily, I would go, and she'd come home from work, there'd be two empty pizza boxes, some Chinese, and this and that, and I tapped my weight, I weighed in at 262, in a 275 class, and everybody else I'm competing against is walking around 285, and they make a small cut down. 
Um, so this last time, this is the, the longest I've weighed 272 plus. And what I did was eat and I backed off my freaking training. Um, if you have somebody that's, that doesn't actually gain weight quick, they're going to have to back off training some. And they'll probably actually see their gains come up. What I would do, I wouldn't, especially they want to get stronger and do CrossFit. I'm a big fan of, instead of doing, you know, your wads that are 10, 15 minutes long, stuff like that, five, five minute max and heavier. You know, put them on fast, heavy stuff. And they're going to keep, if they can do something fast and heavy for five minutes, they're going to, they'll have no problem coming back into the other stuff. Um, and other than that, the rest of their time, basic barbell moves, working hard with plenty of rest. What do you think about the program guys are doing? I think it's good. I mean, a lot of people, um, some people just can't handle it. It's hard to pull down a gallon of milk. And it gets old. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it works. I mean, I really like the, it's simple because it's calories and it's defined. You need to drink this. Um, the problem I see it with is a lot of people drop all this and they just drink this. So they, then it cancels itself out. Um, that's why I really like giving people tangible numbers. Okay, you need to put on 15 pounds in four weeks. How? I don't care. Put in the calories. You know, and sure, the majority of it, when you have a meal, they still need to eat their meat and potatoes. After that, they can have their shake. You know, the basis of it needs to be good food. If you're training hard, there's a bunch of studies out. Anthony Almada, who I've known a long time, he's, uh, uh, what does he do now? Um, Vitargo, everybody heard of Vitargo? Um, it's kind of like a waxy maze type thing. He'd kill me if he heard me saying that because it's not waxy maze. Um, he brought, uh, he was big in, what was it? Um, not EA Sports, that's a freaking video game. Um, Supplement company. They brought creatine to the market. EAS. Yeah, he was with the, yeah, <laughs> thanks. Um, no, he has his own other company. And, um, oh, yeah, he was, did studies in college where, you know, they took people untrained and overfed them. Um, and even untrained people, half of what they gained was lean tissue. If you're training hard, much more than half is going to be, I mean, sure, you're going to see some fat gain, but, I mean, like I said, that comes off in a matter of weeks when they just their diet back down. Quick note here. We discussed in depth specific studies and references on Iron Radio in the past about the fact that you do gain a significant percentage of any weight as lean mass, uh, even if you're not training, but certainly especially if you are training. So check out the Iron Radio archives for that. Um, and the other thing that people forget is, you start eating, you know, I'm going to add 500 calories a week. Well, your metabolism jacks up too. And then you're just burning off that extra 500. You've got to, it's easier if you just set a goal and I'm getting there. And once I'm there, they can back off a little bit to maintain that new weight. It's, it's worked a lot better for me. And I've tried everything there is. So that's what I'd do. I mean, and keep it tangible. You know, if it's a lighter guy, give me 10 pounds. And keep that for two months. And then we'll reassess. Okay, look, give me another 10 pounds. And they'll probably be amazed how... There's a reason why powerlifters look their worst on the platform. And we look our best in the off-season. We're overfed. And that translates right into more pounds on the ball, especially the squat and the bench. Um, you know, if you're fed and all your muscles are full, you're, you're going to move more weight. So. But it's kind of the opposite of somebody that they want to put on weight. Mm -hmm. No. No, I'll go for it. 
depending on, you know, realistically. You know, I mean, I wouldn't do, I mean, my initial weight loss, I went from 315 pounds to 215 pounds in four months. Um, and I saw, I went up in strength. But I was an untrained individual. So that cancels all that out. You know, I can take somebody that's 500 pounds that hadn't trained and, and drop them down. Um, you're going to find peaks and valleys. You know, you're going to lose 10 pounds, and then you're going to stay there a while, and then you're going to have to do something a little more. I would, for going down, what I try to get people to do is lower your calories the minimum amount you can to lose weight. Whereas most people come in, they I want to lose it now, boom, and they drop down, I want to eat 1,000 calories a day, add on five sessions of walking and running and this and that, and they overdo it, and they lose a bunch of muscle. Um, do as little as you can to lose the weight. And if you're losing a pound a week, you're fine. Um, you're usually not going to lose muscle. Keep it, try to, yeah. And, of course, you're going to reach a point where dropping just, you know, I mean, I really hate counting calories. I usually go with most everybody that walks in the door, we can just start cutting away shit food, and they'll lose weight. And then, But at some point, we're going to have to get a little more picky. But usually, honestly, I mean, most people, unless we're trying to get figure stage ready, people try to complicate shit way too much. I don't need to put you on a bodybuilder diet to get you down to 10% as a male. It's just we fix your food, we do a little more activity and stuff like that um, in the context of what you want to do. Um, yeah, that'd be what I do. I mean, it'd be clean up things first, see how far that gets you. Um, even just clean it up a little. I'm, I'm not a fan of diet. I'm not a fan of exercise. I'm a fan of eat and train. Even dieting needs to be something that's sustainable. It's something you can live with, you know, unless it's pre-competition diet. Nobody's going to live on that. Um, and nobody's going to live on, you know, cutting down for a meat even. You know, those are instances that are short-lived. Everything else, like he tells me I want to be 210 pounds and jacked, you know, then... That's what I look like. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we're going to eat our way up, and then we're going to drop back down. But we're going to, both ways, it's going to be something... That eating the way up needs to be something he can sustain. It's, we can't do it for two weeks and expect to make a bunch of progress. We need to, we got to get something he can live with. And same thing on the way back down. And then we'll meet in the middle with, with something that you live with long term. So, a couple more. Yeah. Uh, we're going to work against what CrossFit is based on, but most of the high level athletes do it now. Period evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, opposed to. I'd say every, okay, the question was, so I don't forget to do this because I forgot a couple times. Um, you know, so your question is, what is my, my thoughts on periodization for CrossFit athletes? I'd say, and you said because most of them are doing it, I'd say the ones that aren't doing it are lying to you and they really are. Um, none of, I can tell you, none of them are doing the freaking workout of the day off the main site. They're just not. Um, they wouldn't be that strong. Um, yeah, I like periodization. Gosh, and we can talk about this more later because I'd like to talk about programming. Um, you need to have a plan. You need to have a sustainable plan that keeps that's progressive. Um, I don't believe in linear periodization works early on. I don't believe in linear periodization for advanced, more advanced people, even in the middle range. Um, because my problem with periodization, even like Tudor Bumpa stuff, if you're familiar with that, um, they try and forecast out four years. The problem with periodization is I can't tell you how my body's going to feel next week 
let alone four years from now. Um, it's pretty. It looks good. If I do this for four years, I'm going to do that. It, it doesn't work in the end. And there's good days and bad days. What happens if you get diarrhea? You know, I'm supposed to hit 500 squat for four? I can't do it. Well, so that's where I pull in. It's got to be multifaceted. And you also need exit strategies. If it's a bad day, I'm going to do this. You know, because doing this is better than doing nothing. And you punch that clock and it's okay, you move on. Um, it doesn't ruin your training cycle. Whereas in periodization, if you don't hit that, you're fucked because next week you're going to have um, so I, I build in, I have periodization that I do that it has, you know, what I call, we have exit strategies, like here's what happens if it's a bad day, and if it's an exceptionally good day, here's what happens. Because I also think that's another problem that comes up is it doesn't account for good days. What if you come in and you're supposed to hit 500 for three for five sets on squat and you freaking kill them? It it be it would do you bad for me to not let you go higher. So I have a very defined way that we address that. Because um, we need to we need to strike when the iron's hot. That's not saying we need to bring you up to failure, but we need to push you to the point that you strain. And that's one place that I think the West Side guys have it right. Um, everybody misconstrues them on they go for PR every day. They don't. They work to strain every day. You need to hit something that's hard. If you're not working hard. You're not doing enough, but most people confuse that for working too hard and failing and this and that. There's a fine line you have to walk, especially as we get stronger and more advanced. We've got to just step out of that comfort zone because if we jump out of it, we're talking injury and we're talking overtraining. But we've always got to be consistently stepping out of our margins. So, but yeah, you need some kind of plan for sure. Um, and the, if you're not squatting regularly, deadlifting regularly, and CrossFit and Olympic lifting regularly, you're doing something wrong. You need to be doing all that shit at least once a week or you're not going to be good at it. Um, you know, I've never met, if, if the random thing worked, then I'd be the best golfer in the world because I play every once every year. You know, I'd be like, whoo, you know, every sport there is, you practice it. You know, you become a good typer by typing a lot. You become a good speaker by speaking a lot. You become good at sports that involve those activities by doing them many times. Um, yeah. You are, I got that. Yeah. You're tight from the day before. Yeah. You want to just shut it down. Like, do you recommend just packing up and going? Or I'll have you, if you come in and you just dread going to the gym, a lot of days I'll have you turn around. But I'll at least have you head that way. Um, it's good to at least walk in the freaking gym and start warming up. If at that point you still feel like shit, let's roll out, let's do something else. You're not recovering. And it's okay. Now, it depends on my client. Um, I know my clients well, and you probably know yourself well, but most people in our situation, Anybody that usually steps up and comes to a seminar is pretty type A personality. Like, no matter what, I'm like, I can put 10 more fucking pounds on that ball and kill it. Um, if you know you're feeling bad and you don't want to train, you probably shouldn't, um, is the case you're in. So you need to do something to recover. If that happens two weeks in a row, we need to rethink, we need to reset and go take, take a couple steps back and start running up that hill again. Because um, we've just overreached. So we might take a week off and come back. Um, now, what if we're doing, let's say I have you programmed to do I'm going to use the 500 pounds, give 500 pounds for three sets of three, or five sets of three. You, you hit the first set of three, and it's just hard as hell. And you hit the second set. On the third set, you only hit two reps. We call it a day. Yeah, you're done. You don't get to do your assistance work. You don't get to do anything. You're not recovered. You're not ready to go. We come back. We repeat that workout we missed next week. This week, we should hit it because we should be ready to go. It was a bad day. If we have two of those bad days in a row, that's where we rethink we need to bring the percentages back and we'll work back up. Um, most people that work off uh, percentages, this is one way me and Jim agree, 
he does it a little different with his 5-3-1. Um, if, there's peaks and valleys. On the other side, remember, like I peak out for a meet. When I reach that, I don't get to then work up to the next one. After, on the either side, every peak's a valley. Now I'm going to hit a peak, I'm going to go back down. And I'm going to get a run up that hill to the next peak. You need to start lighter than you think you should and get a run at it. Mm-hmm. And come on up. And then you'll probably find yourself beating yourself. Those first month even should be, I'm killing workouts, I'm killing workouts, I'm killing workouts. As long as I get my work in. And that's where, if you're killing them, that's where we get our buy-up sets. You know, let's say we're hitting five sets of three and you roast them all. You've earned the right to take a few steps up. And I want to hit a single that you strain on. Then we do our systems work. So we'll do one more, and then we'll call it. Uh, as far as building strength, yeah. what's the difference between uh, rolling and deadlifting and good one? Not a lot. Uh, they're, they're both assistant moves. I do neither of them very heavy. I do good mornings very heavy once you – you need a good six months in them before we even push to a heavy triple. Other than that, I'm looking for sets and reps. I'd really look at assistance work. I treat assistance work like bodybuilder work. You're just looking to get a bunch of work in. Um, so, and then later on, you can start using those moves more like a main move. Like, I mean, I've, I've, there was a point where I could good morning more than I could squat. I good morning 675 pounds with a safety squat bar, and I touched my knees with my elbows and came back up. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't, I had a lot of time in with good mornings before that. Um, I really look at those moves as, I don't like putting percentages on moves. Jason's had me programming a lot. And a lot of you, a lot of my people get pissed off. They'll be like, okay, good mornings for some by a lot. What the fuck does that mean? Work hard. You know, especially, like, I let's say I have, we go back to squat. Let's say I have him squat, and he goes through his biops and stuff. This week he gets to earn to go heavier. He's probably going to be more beat up when he gets his assistance work. So all I want you to do is just work hard. And what I'll usually do is get you a rep range. Well, we want to be hitting between 10 and 15 reps. Something where you're working hard there. We're really looking to punch the clock with assistance work. We can't treat it like, and it's a fault I had in the past with myself and with my clients. We gave too much attention to assistance work, and it beat us up. We need to treat the main moves as they're important. The other moves, it's, it's work hard, not to where I'm pooping myself, puking. Just get that work in. I'm big on pooping and peeing. Um, there's a, you know... Well, I got my shirt on here. It says, if you ain't pooping, you ain't trying. You earn these in my gym. I think I only have two girls on my powerlifting team that haven't pissed themselves on a squat, so they're still looking to earn their shirt. And there's a reason why you bring extra pairs of underwear to a powerlifting meet. Shit happens. In the bottom of the squat with 700 pounds and you got a belt tied on, sometimes shit happens, literally. So you earn these shirts, too. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's great. I love it. We had one of my girls, she's 135 pounds, I think it is, and uh, at the last meet, she squatted 335, and there's 70 people in the audience, I mean, she right through her singlet, and the whole fucking platform's just wet, she made her squat there. She's like, I peed, he's like, yes, there's a shirt, you got the left and, uh, Yeah, women don't poop, so we don't even have a, a pooping shirt for women. It's guys that poop, women tend to pee, so, and vice versa. And the fake poops don't work. You know, you'll get like a turtle head, whoop, and he goes back in. Now, you got to leave a stain. So you got to leave shit in your drawers or you don't get a shirt. So, yeah. So. We'll call it there. Um, and we'll, <laughs> we'll do more later um, of this. But as far as the show, I think that's good. And we'll get into more questions after this. But uh, I want to thank everybody here for coming. And thank you guys for having us. Again, we're at, uh, you guys got a website I can say? CrossFit Sherwood Park. Dot com. So check that out. Um, if you're ever up here in Canada, Edmonton, um, 
check them out, get a hold of uh, Mark and Jason. So, until next week, everybody, thank you a lot. Bye-bye. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the liter literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount. However, obviously I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place. That's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.